Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse, and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery, and I'd love to share with you about these phases what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant. For those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. 
Now today we have with us Amy Cabo, who is going to be sharing with us about her journey and her process of healing and how she's really taken the pain and trauma of her life and turned it into purpose, which is something that we are a big fan of here um, in Beyond Surviving. That's really um, our biggest intention is that we don't remain beholden to the past, but are able to break free of that and move forward. And she is a grateful survivor, speaker, award-winning author. She also has a fabulous radio show that you need to check out. It's called The Cure. And beyond all of that, she's also a nurse. She's out there in the world taking care of people, helping them heal in all kinds of ways, and is also the president of the International Medical Investigative Center. Amy, thank you for being here. Welcome. So glad you're joining us today. Thank you, Rachel. So to get us started, um, I'd love to start with your story and um, what your journey has been like and what were some of the things that you did in order to heal and recover? Okay. Uh, my journey, my mother met my stepfather when I was three years old, and I don't have a lot of memories, and what I wrote in my book was what I can remember. Uh, the memories that I have of my earliest memory was when, was when I was seven years old, and at that time, it was already painful to use the bathroom. At that time, my father admitted it to my mother because she witnessed me going to pain when I was using the bathroom. And she kicked him out for a couple of days, and he came back. And I felt that I had gotten my dad in trouble, and he was my best friend. My mom was the scary one. What did I do? Everyone's crying. I knew never to say anything again. Uh, the only thing I knew is that he admitted it. And so it did progress. It progressed through the years. Uh, and when I was about 12 years old, he divergenized me. And it was basically every day when people are sick like this, they do these things every day. And that was, at uh, 14, it was sodomization. And that was every day. But by 15, I was able to get away. And in the meantime, my mother was beating me. So then when I was 16, I went through some foster homes. And I didn't care much about myself. So I got raped a few times. And uh, even in the foster home, that's why I had to run away and go to the Miami Bridge. And I, I had to learn to grow up quick. But of my saving grace with my daughter when I turned 18, I had to live her father because he was beating me. So I, I, but I had my daughter. She gave me reason for living. She gave me reason for doing the right thing. And even though life was still challenging, I had to go through custody battle. And life was just tough that I thought I was a bad person. I thought I did not deserve God's help. I knew God was there and I would pray to God that I would just accept my suffering. And they never knew to actually turn to God and ask God for help. And even in life, with so many things happening, it was an unlawful thing. I was a lost child for a while. I went mm -hmm. through depressions. It was very difficult. I remember there was time. It, 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 to think back that there was a time that I couldn't stand the fact that I was ever born, that 
I did not want to live. What's the point? To I'm so grateful for every day that I wake up. So it's 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 a great big turnaround, and it started with the love for my daughter. Hmm. I learned to do the right thing, and then the love that my husband gave me got me to realize that God loves me, and if God loves me. Oh, I must not be that bad. I should love myself. And once I started praying every day, I started seeing things a little bit clearer. And I learned that I can forgive myself. It was easier to forgive others for me than to forgive Mm -hmm. myself. But not only that, I learned to love myself and to take care of myself. And so I also learned that when I was feeling bad and when I had negative feelings, it wasn't me, something that was broken in me, but that was pickpocket, the devil, Mm. tempting me to feel this way. I want you, the reason I know this is because I read um, the saints that battled, no, the saints that battled Satan. Mm. Mm -hmm. And there was a saint that the devil had depressed that the saint did not want to pray. And that's the same. And a lot of the language that you hear that these, you know, in these books, it's the same language that we hear every day today. Yeah. So if you, if you're, if you catch on to it and you get to, you get the strength through prayer, Hmm. but you get, you get to open your eyes trying to grow and by doing good things for others, by spending time with your children that you otherwise would not have sacrificing a little, watching the movie you don't want to watch, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Um, or not complain when you want to. And uh, so just trying to constantly do the right thing, mm. I think has helped gear me into the right direction. And, and now it's much easier than thinking, oh, what's wrong with me? I think I'm well, but hey, today I'm not well. I must be broken. No, I realize that even the closer you get to God, the more the devil wants to try to stray you away. Mm-hmm. So I realize that life is going to continue to be with challenges. And that's just another awesome opportunity for me to place my trust in God. Because if God was there in the beginning, what, what would I need a faith for? Mm. I have to be, give it, be given that opportunity to do the right thing. Because uh, we really don't deserve God's love. We really should try and earn it. Thank you for sharing that, Amy. You know, when I hear stories like yours, um, you know, I'm always struck by the pain that we experience when those around us do not protect us. And, um, you know, to have a moment of reprieve from this abuser only to have him right back into your home and that day to day to day trauma um, is is very, very difficult to endure. And I'm really inspired by when I think about that teenage you, right, who said, all right, I got to I got to figure something out here because this is not getting better. This is not changing and to take the bravery that it takes to really set out on your own in that way. And of course, finding yourself in a system that often perpetuates trauma 
Um, there are not checks and balances, and there are a lot of um, perpetrators within that system, and so finding yourself experiencing more trauma. And, you know, while I'm personally agnostic, and um, I've had my own kind of wiggly journey with God, <laughs> and kind of land these days in, the, in that camp of agnostic, I always like to share people's stories on this show um, with, from, from all different backgrounds and all different faiths. And so one of the things that really stood out to me from what you shared about what did uh, the, the anchors that really helped you or the things that really made a difference when you were beginning to heal, first of all, your daughter. And I just think about how all of us need that thing. It could be a person in our life. It could be a child. It could be an event. Like there's always this, there's something that happens that changes our perspective and our point of view and that spurs us on and i also really heard you talking about how faith just and faith in god really help spur you forward and um keep taking the next step each day in your journey of healing i mean i'd love to be agnostic i want to be independent <laughs> but i've tried to do things myself and boy am i not good at it and God is definitely a lot stronger than I am. Mm -hmm. And I like not to, you know, blame myself and know that I can learn something. Before I would take a defeatist attitude. Oh, it happened this way because I'm broken. And I would buy into all these lies the devil tells you. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's an easier way for me to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a valid way. And because I had everything I needed in my life. And still, that wasn't enough. I had the husband and the children, and the custody battles are over. And that that wasn't enough. Because yeah. then, thank God, there was still God when my daughter almost got killed. Mm -hmm. I needed God. Yeah, yeah. That's for me. It's not it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's so right. You know, we all, um, for those of you who are listening who don't resonate with the concept of God, that's okay. You know, you can think of it in terms of faith. You can think of it in terms of hope. You can think of it in terms of that part of ourself that just kind of generally looks at the amazingness of the world and can be in a place of wonder and excitement. And, you know, we then we have, you know, this the the darker energy, right? The things that want to draw us away from our authentic self, from who we really are. And, you know, a name for that is certainly the devil. And for those of you who aren't faith-based or spiritual, you can think of that in terms that's, that's of... Normal. Yeah, right. Because when you give yourself up into the devil, bad things happen. So yeah. some people say bad karma. You do yeah. bad, bad things happen. You do bad things, I say you leave yourself open to the devil. Mm. Bad things can happen to you. Right. So what are you trying not to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you find your way, you know, through these really, really tough years. And here you are now, you know, a best-selling author. What's the name of your book, by the way? Uh, it's the thing I would tell all my friends, they, they would come to me, I don't know, for advice. I would say, well, love is the answer and God is the cure. That was mm -hmm. always my advice. Yeah. So it became the title That's to your my book. book. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. So for those of you, go check that out. Love is the answer. God is the cure. And, um, you know, your family, you're thriving, you're doing this podcast, you really stepped into, you know, what we think of as that place of really thriving and all of those things that you've gone through now being for purpose. 
And one of the things that um, I want to talk with you about today is the concept of generational trauma. So, you know, we look at the experience that you had, and then we might think about what your the person who abused you went through. And so I just want to kind of open up the dialogue around this concept. Just first of all, what do you even kind of think generational trauma is? What's your personal kind of definition or take on what's happening there and what that's all about? Well, my opinion is always adjusting because I'm always learning. Mm. But life is a learning lesson. Uh, generational trauma, there could be a genetic component. There seems to be some evidence of that. But I think mostly it's the secrecy. It's the not talking about it because of the taboos, because of what people may think. I happen to know someone that she was abused by her, by her father, but she would not tell. She would not tell her daughter that she was abused. Uh. And so um, she, our first choices are not her best choices. And now she becomes the wife of a pedophile. Hmm. And so if she would have talked to her daughter about what happened to her, that kid would have known ahead of time, hey, this is wrong. This shouldn't happen. And that's how it could happen from generation to generation because this wife of a pedophile then stands up for her daughter, but the whole community goes against her. Mm, right. Yeah, because this was a model guy, and how can he be a pedophile? And he's the successful one. And mm-hmm. um, for many reasons, people don't educate their children. But I think that's the worst thing we can do. That's, that's their mm-hmm. strength. I love that. That's a really wonderful take and, and perspective on generational trauma. The idea that when we have an experience of trauma, if we remain secret about that, then our next generation might be exposed to abuse and trauma and they don't know what to do, or they might end up coming into contact with the abuser. And because we haven't you know, spoken to them about our experience, they're a little bit, uh, they're at risk. Um, at of being abused themselves. And in this way, we perpetuate these cycles of trauma. And, you know, I certainly often, when I'm talking with my clients, particularly those who are parents, you know, we really talk about how this is an opportunity to break that cycle, right? That maybe there has been abuse and trauma happening in their family for generations. You know, dad abused me, his dad abused him, his mom, her, his mom, their mom, you know, abused this person. It just goes back and back and back and back. And there needs to be somebody in that family tree that can break that. Well, my mother's still married to my stepfather, who's a pedophile. So that's... Mm. I don't know if the chain, if the cycle is broken there, but yeah. I told this lady, at least you divorced them. And even though the world went against you, you stood for your, up for your daughter. Yeah. And yeah. I'm actually reading a book about it. My daddy's a pedophile. Very similar situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think when we, we, that's one kind of aspect of generational trauma that's really important to understand because While we don't want to excuse anybody's behavior, there is a lot to be said for, you know, what you experience, you recreate. If you are not given any support or intervention or new skills, um, and so you just keep repeating and kind of doing to others what was done to you. 
And I think for me, I never had any of those answers. I was never able to kind of figure out, was there something that happened to my grandfather? What was his life like? Um, but I know for many of my clients, they're able to start to connect those kinds of dots. And again, while it isn't a way of excusing away someone's behavior, we can then start to have a little bit more perspective and compassion about where they're coming from and what's going on, and potentially even more motivation to say, all right, well, the buck stops here, so to speak, right? Like, no more. I want my family to be different. I want this next generation to grow up without that kind of trauma, without that repetition, there's a conversation, and um, I'm curious if, what, if you have any thoughts on this. There's also a conversation around generational trauma that has a lot more to do with, like, historical um, trauma. So we see, you know, in communities where there's been, you know, a long-standing trauma, like the Native American community um, for the black community. We talk about the fact that trauma is in sometimes in, in many ways societal, right? And then that's generational because this next generation of people and then th that gets passed on and passed on almost as you were saying, like through the DNA. Um, so I don't want to get into territory that I don't exactly have a full handle on, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's interesting. You know, it's fascinating to me. And I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about that or anything that you've read or researched um, along those lines that you'd like to share. Um. I know that it's possible to stop the cycle. I believe that anything is possible with God. Anytime that I've done anything amazing or miraculously, miraculous in my life, it's been because I've been close to God. Anytime I really mess up, it's because I have strayed away. Mm. So um, we can have predispositions to things, but it doesn't mean that we have to act on it. Sometimes we have to try a little harder. That's all. Work mm -hmm. a little more. Yeah. A little practice makes <laughs> it a little better. So that's okay. Yeah. I love that. So you talked a little bit about how beginning to speak is one of the ways that we can start to prevent trauma by actually talking to the next generation and preparing them and sharing our stories. What are some other things that you think of when it comes to preventing childhood trauma? What are the things well, you need I to do? I think the most important key thing is to talk to your children while they're very young. Uh, just mm. let them know exactly right away what's not a good touch and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And get it, and you know, just really educate your kids. Also, educate uh, education of the public. I, I understand that um, if you're a wife of a pedophile, even if you've divorced the pedophile, they're shamed um, and they're having to deal with losing the man that they love. And then on top of that, they're shamed. So if she wasn't afraid of what eventually happened, she would have talked to her children and her children, her child, one of her child wouldn't have gotten sexually abused. So, I, I mean, support for the parent as well as for the child is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's important. And education, yeah. because you can't be watching your child 24-7, it's impossible. Right. Uh, right. So you have to teach a child how to help themselves mm. in that situation. Mm -hmm. 
and just keep an open Can mind. Can you share with us some of the, oh, sorry to interrupt. I just was really curious when you said that. I was like, wow, I'd really love to know, like, what was some of the specific things that you said to your own kids as they were growing up? What were some of the, the ways in which you talked about that? Do you mind sharing a few? Well, sure. I told them you should not have to do anything that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And anything that makes you feel uncomfortable should not happen. Yeah. And your private parts are for private places, should not be seen or touched by others. And they understand what are their private parts. And I don't want you sitting on strangers' laps. And I don't want you, mom and dad, okay, but even if that makes you feel uncomfortable, feel free to let me know, baby. If mm-hmm. I make you feel uncomfortable, feel free to let me know. Yeah. It's okay. But I just want you to know what's right and what's wrong. And this mm-hmm. is wrong and this is okay. Yeah. Yeah. It can be so simple. You know, for those those of you who are listening, I Sometimes think what, what, you know, what need. it's exactly that. It doesn't have to be this complex, you know, um, terrifying conversation. It can just be very matter of fact. And the more you have that conversation, the easier it's going to be. The, it's a repeat conversation. It's not a one-and-done conversation. Um, and in and, that way, you can start as young as three or four years old. This yeah. is not okay. This is because right. it can't start young. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think it's always important for us to name that we want to be educating our boys and our girls. Um, yeah. I can't tell you how many parents are like, oh, yeah, I've definitely talked to my daughter about this. I'm like, well, what about your son? <laughs> you know, and they're like, what? I don't need to talk. You know, so we're still working, you know, to make sure that people are having this conversation across the board. And regardless that, of gender. it's also very important to teach them about the grooming process. And that's mm. so that time with you all the time is not normal. Yeah. That wants to spend time with you alone, uh, a man, or you don't, you have to question those things, get them to view things in a different way, not be so trusting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I have never really even talked about that aspect of when we're raising up our kids and trying to prepare them to be safe. No, they just think what a great guy. And they usually start with the parents first to fool them first. And it's easier to get to the kid. Yeah. I was just watching the um, documentary, um, A Heart of Gold, which is about the USA gymnastics team and Larry Nasser. And as they documented and, and, and shared how that all unfolded, it was shocking to me that that was really one of the manipulations, that he would have the parent in the room and do some sort of touching. And, it, and when the parent didn't react, or didn't, you know, say stop that, then the child thinks, oh, this must be okay. So then the next time there's an, you know, as an exam or whatever he's doing, and the parent isn't in there, he can escalate, but the child now feels, well, this must be okay, because last time I was here, you know, so yeah, watching out for those kinds of behaviors is really, really key. And that's another piece when we think about generational trauma, right? (laughs) Because there's this, um, I guess what I mean by that is there's this space in which if we're not really being somewhat vigilant, you know, that this can happen and we go, we become unaware. And then if those kids aren't actually, you can just imagine like if those children hadn't been, if none of this had come out, 
that that cycle of trauma and abuse could very easily continue into the next generation. Yes, because it's very easy to fool a child. Um, yeah. the, the perpetrator, the pedophile, well, not only, they, they convince the community they're a great person, they convince right. the parents, right. and then the child, they can work on them even for years. Yeah. And they have to establish this report of trust to be able to do the things mm. that they do. Mm-hmm. And if there's a, a, a trust, they feel like it can't be wrong. They convince them that this is what makes you special. Yeah. This is what makes us special and nobody will understand. And the kid, the kid is so influenceable. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's really powerful what you just said there. Like kids are easily fooled. And it's in some ways it's like there's a part of us that wants to say no, no. But actually that's really, really true. And I think if we can hear that as survivors of trauma, then we can have a lot more compassion for our little selves. It wasn't like we, you know, had all of these skills and light and resources and, and knowledge. We were little kids and expecting the adults in our lives to do what was right. And through that manipulation and coercion, they convinced us that what was happening was okay, was appropriate, was necessary. And uh, I know that we can often beat ourselves up and like, oh, I was such an idiot. What was wrong with me? But you weren't an idiot. You were just a little person. You were a child. Right. And the cycle, I think it has to start with us as mm-hmm. survivors. And I hope that it does. Yeah. yeah. Because um, the kids nowadays have to learn a lot more than we did. When Wait, we were that's kids. the truth. Oh, my they gosh. Have to learn about mass shootings. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Now, they, I mean, so why not add this to? Yeah, yeah. You know, I agree. Um, let's try to safeguard them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is this, uh, just coming to mind, this TV show that I've been watching lately, The Romanoffs, and in the um, one of the episodes, there's this piano teacher and uh, one of the mothers of one of the kids who works with this teacher gets a call from a, a detective and the te- detective says, you know, we have a report of inappropriate behavior. There aren't any specifics. It's all very vague. And you watch this mother in this, this episode navigating, having a conversation with her college age son, her teenage son and her youngest, who's maybe like six or seven and how she has each of those conversations and it being, you know, difficult, but I'm going to do it anyway. But you can see in this episode, it's so fascinating, Amy, because this person is um, loved and adored, and she's having a really hard time wrapping her head around the possibility that he would be doing something wrong. And then there's a scene where it's just her and the piano teacher, and you can just see him, like the charm, right? And how he, you know, um, draws empathy and sympathy for himself by sharing certain things. And the, the episode ends with the littlest boy going into the room where the piano is and her closing the door. And I just started screaming at the TV, Amy. (laughs) You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding? Like, wow. Like at least just sit in the room, read a book, hang out. Oh man. But, but at the same time, I really appreciated that episode because it is from the outside. So very straightforward, but when you're in it, it can be very layered and very complex. And we want to believe the best in people and we want to hope for the best. 
and fingers crossed, right, and all of that. But um, I don't know, just as we're here in this conversation about how trauma gets to be perpetuated, right, like how the cycle can continue, it's all of these little things. And, um, and at the same time, I want to have a lot of compassion for anybody who's listening because you can be doing your absolute best and your child can still be assaulted or molested. So we, we do the best that we absolutely can, knowing that at the end of the day, sometimes things are going to happen that are outside of our control. But certainly we can do what we can do to minimize and reduce the risk. Yes, and unfortunately... If it does happen, because it does happen, at least they know they can come to you, right. that they can receive help, that it's not their fault, that they're not the bad one. At least that. Yeah, I love that. Oh, my. Well, I've really enjoyed talking with you today, Amy. Is there any uh, any final thought, any words of encouragement that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, hey, guys, if you tried everything like I have, medicine and therapy and yoga, you might want to try God. That's what works for me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Well, you are such a joy, and I just honor you and acknowledge you for the journey that you have taken in life, and I just wish all the very best in the future adventures that I know you have in store for you. Um, so I know people can um, connect with you um, at godisthecure.com. And if you want to check out Amy's uh, web, no, podcast, um, pop over to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash the cure 33, B-I-T slash the cure 33. Um, those links will also be in the show notes, so you can just go right there. And Amy, thank you again so much for being my guest today and, and sharing yourself with us. It was my honor. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for joining in and tuning in today. Don't forget to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com to learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore the other resources available on the site. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast as we have so much more to share. Until next time, take good care of you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.